This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for Pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight... Today, the terrorist groups, emboldened by their apparent success in the region, are seeking new operational ground, a development that has triggered a southward drift of the menace. Ghana's President Nana Akufo-Addo at a West Africa summit on terrorism and worsening security in the region. Details coming up also. Mali orders all non-governmental organizations financed by France to stop activity in the country. Malawi is the first low-income country to receive IMF help with rising food prices. And Tunisia draws 0-0 against Denmark in the World Cup opener. We have these stories and more on African News Tonight. We start with our top story. West African leaders met in Accra today to discuss terrorism and worsening security in the region. The Accra Initiative members, Benin, Burkina Faso, Ivory Coast and Togo, are discussing how to prevent spillover of terrorism from the Sahel. European forces have been withdrawing from the region, while Russian influence has been growing. Kent Mensah reports from Accra, Ghana. The Accra Initiative is a cooperative and collaborative security mechanism between seven West African countries as they face increasing threats and attacks from Islamic militants across their northern borders in Burkina Faso and Niger. Addressing the maiden high-level counter-terrorism conference of the Accra Initiative, Ghana's president, Nanaku Fuadu, said it has become imperative for member states to collaborate to counter rising levels of terrorism. West Africa continues to suffer from the effects of the scourge of terrorism and violent extremism spreading rapidly across the region. Today, the terrorist groups, emboldened by their apparent success in the region, are seeking new operational ground, a development that has triggered a southward drift of the menace from the Sahel to coastal West Africa. It was in order to curb the spread of terrorism from the Sahel to coastal states that the Accra Initiative was formed. The Ghanaian leader said member states will own the initiative but will require their foreign partners to support them. Our assessment points to the fact that support from members of the international community will be needed. But we remain firm in our commitment to shoulder a greater part of the responsibility required whilst engaging international partners who are willing to respect our status as a homegrown initiative. Western nations such as Britain, France and Germany are withdrawing from peacekeeping operations in Mali, a situation likely to exacerbate the poorer security situation in West Africa. For its part, James Hippie, the British Armed Forces Minister said, Britain and other Western countries will continue to be allies and partners with Western African states in fighting violent extremism and terrorism but will not detect to them how to deal with their problems. I'm acutely aware that there is a security challenge and the United Kingdom's armed forces already enjoy great relationships with many of the countries within the Accra Initiative and we stand ready to build on that. This is a regional problem that you have here in West Africa. It's right that you seek to provide the solution. But given that the instability and insecurity here so profoundly has a consequence for us in Europe, it's also right that we stand ready to assist you 
in any way that we can. Meanwhile, international relations and security expert with Accra Bay's Institute of Security, Safety, Policy and Research, Adam Bonar, told VOA the fight against terrorism in West Africa will be meaningless unless the leaders involve the ordinary citizens to give tip-offs, among other things. We cannot just get up and end it. There has to be proper measures put in place. There has to be the willingness on the part of the leaders. But there's a serious disconnect. Where the citizens are doing one thing, the executive or the leaders are also doing one thing. You cannot fight terrorism without the involvement of the people. That's not what they are doing. Kent Mensah for VUA News, Accra, Ghana. Ten troops have been killed in an early morning attack on an army position in Chad. The French news agency AFP says Boko Haram rebels attacked an army unit in Buka Tuel Orom Island in the marshy Lake Chad area shared by Chad, Niger and Cameroon. A presidential spokesman said that ten or more dead and wounded are members of the defense forces. The news service says Boko Haram and the Islamic State West Africa province seized, seized the islands in the marshlands as a refuge eight years ago. The insurgency, which began in northeastern Nigeria 13 years ago, has killed more than 40,000 people and displaced more than 2 million. Mali's military government has ordered all non-governmental organizations, including aid groups financed by France, to stop activity in the country. Annie Reisenberg reports from Bamako, Mali. The government's official statement was read on state TV station ORTM Monday evening by presenter Ibrahim Traore and later posted on the station's Facebook page. The statement says the decision was made after France's announcement of its suspension of development aid to Mali, which came last week and which France says is due to concerns about Mali working with Russian mercenaries from the Wagner Group. France specified that it would maintain humanitarian aid despite suspending development aid. En conséquence, le gouvernement de la transition décide Consequently, Traoré says, the transitional government has decided to prohibit, with immediate effect, all activities carried out by NGOs operating in Mali with funding or with material or technical support from France, including in the humanitarian field. The statement also claimed that France's suspension of aid is intended to deceive and manipulate public opinion for the purpose of destabilizing and isolating Mali. The statement goes on to refer to France's aid to Mali as dehumanizing aid used as a means of blackmailing rulers and actively supporting terrorist groups operating on Malian soil. The statement does not clarify or offer proof of the accusations. Diplomatic relations between France and Mali have been increasingly tense this year since France supported sanctions by the West African country grouping ECOWAS against Mali over delayed elections. The French ambassador was expelled in January, and French President Emmanuel Macron announced the withdrawal of French troops after almost 10 years in February. France has continually accused Mali of working with Russian mercenaries, which the Malian government has denied, claiming to only work with Russian instructors. Several cases of alleged human rights abuses by mercenaries working with the Malian army have been documented by human rights groups and journalists this year. France supports a large number of NGOs working in the humanitarian sector in Mali, which provide services to vulnerable populations in the country. Annie Reisenberg for VOA News, Bamako, Mali. You're listening to Africa News Tonight on The Voice of America. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi and his Turkish counterpart Tayyip Erdogan shook hands in Qatar at the start of the World Cup. 
The Egyptian presidency spokesperson, Ambassador Bassam Radi, said that after years of tension, the two leaders agreed this would be the beginning of developing bilateral relations. The Turkish president said further steps need to be taken. Imad Harb, director of research at the Arab Center in Washington, discussed these developments in Egyptian-Turkish Libyan relations with VOA senior analyst Mohamed El Shinawi. I must agree with the Turkish president. Yes, certain steps still need to be taken, although both parties seem to be eager to restart this relationship, especially Turkey. Turkey needs to get back into some sort of an accommodation with Middle Eastern actors, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Egypt, even Israel. So the Turkish president is right in saying there are steps to be taken, but he is still interested in coming back, so to speak, to develop relations especially the relations that have to do with economic development. And the Turkish economy is in need of uh, opening up on uh, Middle Eastern uh, states, and especially those states in the Gulf. And uh, obviously, those states in the Gulf are on very good terms with Egypt's Abdel Fattah Sisi, thus the uh, interest in uh, reopening relations uh, with Egypt. The main reason for tension between the two countries was Turkish backing of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. What pushed Turkey to change that policy in order to normalize its relations with Egypt? I don't think that Turkey has really abandoned the Muslim Brotherhood, but on the other hand, support for the Muslim Brotherhood has become a liability for Turkey. Whether it is the Muslim Brotherhood in uh, in Egypt, whether it is the Muslim Brothers in uh, Libya or Syria or anywhere else, the anti-Muslim Brotherhood camp in the Middle East, Egypt, uh, the Gulf states, obviously not Qatar, but all these states that are really worried about the Muslim Brotherhood have reflected that worry on the relations with uh, with Turkey. So uh, Turkey is trying to sideline the Muslim Brotherhood as an issue or as an element in its relationship with these countries. So considering what troubles uh, Turkey is going through economically and politically and even in security situation, it is in its interest to try to avoid being associated with the Muslim Brotherhood. But the Turkish military backing of the Libyan government in Tripoli and signing a controversial maritime agreement with Tripoli are major barriers to improved relations with Egypt. What's your take on that? That is true. Egypt has its own interest in Libya and uh, uh, Turkey getting into an economic relationship with Libya and now lately with uh, even Algeria is uh, not going to be looked at uh, very positively in Cairo. So uh, there has to be some sort of an accommodation between Egyptian interests in Libya and Turkish interests in Libya, while at the same time, Libya itself gets its house in order, so to speak. Libya needs both countries to get its house in order. So the accommodation needs to be from both sides, and Turkey has to give in a little bit, and so does Egypt, so that Libya can do what uh, it needs to do to uh, uh, restore peace and security. And that was Imad Harb, Director of Research at the Arab Center in Washington, speaking with VOA Senior Analyst Mohamed al Shanawi. The International Monetary Fund, IMF, has approved financing to cope with rising global food prices for Malawi, the first low-income country to receive the help. 
The number of Malawians facing food insecurity has doubled to 20% of the population due to low crop production and increasing prices for fertilizers and seeds. Malawi's government says the funds will also help address a lack of foreign exchange that has caused the fuel shortage in the country. Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre, Malawi. Malawi is facing a challenging economic and humanitarian situation with foreign exchange shortages and an exchange rate misalignment that has led to a sharp decline in imports, including fuel, fertilizer, medicine and food. The IMF said in a statement released Monday that about 20% of the country's population was projected to be acutely food insecure during the 2022-2023 lean season, which starts from October to March, more than twice as many people as during the same time last year. Government authorities say the approval of 88 million US dollars to Malawi under the new food shock window of the IMF's rapid credit facility will help address some of those challenges. Sosten Gwengwen is Malawi's finance minister. Very little helps. Uh, most important is to be able to have a forex market that is efficient, that is able to work on its own, and uh, we are working very hard to build the reserves at uh, the Reserve Bank of Malawi so that uh, we are able to normalize the forex market. The IMF introduced the food shock loan in September for countries that have agent balance of payment needs due to food insecurity, a sharp increase in their food imports bill or a shock to their cereal exports. Malawi President Lazarus Chakwela wrote on his Twitter account Tuesday that the funding, quote-unquote, signals new dispensation of trust from bilateral and multilateral global institutions. Chakwela said his administration is currently reorienting the fiscal and monetary system to achieve sustainable economic growth. The issue also brought excitement in the Malawi's parliament Tuesday when the leader of the Malawi National Assembly, Richard Chimwendo Banda, briefed lawmakers. Madam Speaker, this is celebration and the people who are against me, they may not be Malawians. I'm celebrating and I'm happy. Malawi shall rise again and Malawi is rising again. However, economic experts say Malawi should find its own means of addressing economic challenges rather than relying on borrowing money from lending institutions. They say, for example, Malawi should invest in programs that would increase its export base rather than relying on imports. The IMF funding comes at a time when Malawi is facing fewer problems largely because of lack of foreign exchange. Gospel Kazako is the Minister of Information. He told state-run Malawi Broadcasting Corporation Tuesday that the IMF assistance does not mean an immediate end to all challenges facing Malawi. It does not mean that things are going to change by next week. It doesn't mean that things are going to change tomorrow because we still need to do much more. We still need to work very, very hard. Uh, We want to come up with an economy that is well sorted, an economy that is built uh, on concrete, an economy that is strong. In the meantime, Malawi is waiting for an approval of another chunk of funding from the IMF known as Extended Credit Facility. Lamek Masina for VOA News, Blanta, Malawi. 
The Hollywood film The Woman King has received great praise for its portrayal of the fierce female warriors of Benin's 1800s kingdom of Dahomey. But where the kingdom once existed, the West African nation has a modern woman queen who is still fighting for women's rights. Henry Wilkins reports from Abome, Benin. The Woman King is a rare example of an African story told in the form of a Hollywood historical epic. Around the world, it has won praise for its acting, directing and themes of female empowerment, with women led by General Naniska fighting a war that men cannot. While the film is set in the 1800s in the Kingdom of Dahomey, today the same area is known as Abome. The story of the female warriors and General Naniska has echoed down the ages here and in the rest of Benin. Nan Zognidi is the present-day queen mother of Abome. She says she teaches young people the same values as the female warriors, a mindset that shows young girls are equal to boys. They have the same abilities and the same competencies as boys, she adds. Zognidi's role of queen mother is ceremonial. As with royalty in other parts of the world, it involves attracting tourists to visit the kingdom. But before she took on the role, she was a woman's rights activist. Now she runs a program to teach girls trades that promote financial independence and the history and culture of the kingdom. She also encourages leadership among her courtiers. Pacadome Silvestra is 13 years old. She says the Queen has taught her how to work on political activities for women's empowerment. A statue depicting one of Abome's female warriors in Benin's commercial capital, Cotonou, was inaugurated earlier this year. The example set by the female warriors of Abome is something Africa needs more of, according to UN Women, a branch of the United Nations dedicated to female empowerment. Sulef Gassoum is a regional advisor. She says, in Africa, Women uh, involved in politics are not usually positively seen uh, by society. Uh, We have only 25% of women uh, in elected assembly. Short of a target of 30% set by the UN in 1995, and well below half, which is seen by many as the ultimate goal. Mario Nagetto is a human rights lawyer who works with Equality Now, a non-profit working for female empowerment. She says the female warriors of Abome are an inspiration. This community was way ahead of its time, right, by advocating for an army that is all and only women. That already just blows your mind. And then it goes a step forward and shows you that they already, they even have a woman leader, the woman king, right? And she's in a position where she's able to sit at the same table as the king, as well as all the other advisors, and tell the king, look, This is not, you know, for example, this is not how you need to handle this situation. We need to do X, Y, and Z. As for Zognidi, she thinks the most important lesson Abome's warriors must teach the world, not least the world of politics, is everything that men can do, women can do today. We can't say that women are weak. It is wrong. They're as strong as men, she said. Henry Wilkins for VOA News, Abome, Benin. For World Cup 2022 highlights, we are privileged to have online the host of VOA's The Sunny Side of Sports, Sunny Young. Welcome to African News Tonight. Sporty World Cup greetings, Yeheus. Great to be on African News Tonight. We missed you. The, <laughs> the Sunny, the Qatar 2022 World Cup just witnessed uh, its first shocking result and it was one for the ages Saudi Arabia 
One for the ages, uh, definitely, Yeheus. Uh, we've, we've had seven matches played so far in Qatar. Saudi Arabia's 2-1 victory over Argentina. Uh, not just the biggest football victory in Saudi history. Uh, it rates as one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history. Argentina took a 1-0 lead early in the 10th minute on a penalty kick by Lionel Messi, their superstar. And this will probably be more than likely his last World Cup, Yeheus. And from there, it looked like Argentina was headed for a big victory. Argentina put the ball in the net three more times before the halftime whistle, with every one of those goals being ruled out for offside. So it was 1-0 Argentina at halftime. Early in the second half, in the 48th minute, the Saudis struck Saleh Al-Sheri, latched onto a long ball, and lashed the left-footed shot into the far corner. And then five minutes later, Yeheus, Salam Al-Dalsari scored what's being described as an early contender for best goal at this first World Cup ever held in the Middle East. He plucked the ball out of the air on the left-hand side of the penalty area, took a wonderful turn, and then curled an unstoppable shot into the far corner. Final score from Qatar, Saudi Arabia 2, Argentina 1, in one of the great World Cup upsets. You saw lots of Saudi fans in their green jerseys waving the flag. And the next two matches of the day, Yeheus ended in draws. Denmark uh, played a goalless draw with Tunisia, and Mexico played a goalless draw with Poland. Good result, I think, for the Carthage Eagles of Tunisia. Uh, they're one of five African teams competing at this World Cup. Uh, a well-deserved point uh, from that contest. So uh, we hope the Carthage Eagles can perhaps progress out of that group. Uh, the, the last match uh, so far of Tuesday, it ended uh, just under just under 30 minutes ago. Poland drew with Mexico uh, nil-nil. Uh, the best opportunity for Poland came in the second half when their captain, Robert Lewandowski, stepped up to the penalty area, but he was foiled by uh, the opposing captain for Mexico. Guillermo Ochoa made a beautiful save on Lewandowski, who was hoping to get his first-ever World Cup goal, but uh, Ochoa stopped him. Mexico and Poland played to a goalless draw. And uh, quick shout-out for Ochoa. He's playing in his fifth, yes, fifth World Cup for Mexico. So, And the final, the final match of the day, Yeheus, We'll see World Cup champion, the reigning World Cup champions, France. They will face Australia without their ball and door winner, Kareem Benzema. Uh, like, like Sadio Omane, one of the big stars uh, who has been ruled out of this World Cup because of injury. But I would say, uh, yeah, definitely Saudi Arabia yeah, yeah. in Argentina. About, great, uh, great story. On that point, Sonny, uh, you, you, you know, things are now kind of messy for Messi, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there must be a path out of the group stage. 
and into the I, round I, of 16 for Messi. It's not over, right? Yeah, it, it's not over, but it, 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 it will be a difficult road for Messi. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think a lot of football fans around the world want to see Messi and Argentina in the group stage. Uh, they'll both play. Uh, Messi will next. Messi and Argentina will play their next uh, match on Saturday. Uh, Argentina. Let me just let me just confirm. They are scheduled to play, I believe, Mexico in their next match, uh, which will not be easy. That'll be a tough match for them, Yeheus. But if they can get three points against Mexico uh, in their next match on Saturday, hopefully Messi. Messi will uh, stay alive <laughs> yes. in what could be his final World Cup. Yes. Sunny Young, sunny side of sports. Thank you for your input. Loved it. And thank you for having me on African News tonight. It's a pleasure. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Gehiyas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Baro, and our engineer, Adrius Regas, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.